Hey, this is Pastor Chris Sarno from Relevant Church, and you're listening to ELC Radio. Love God, lift others. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. You want to go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles to Esther chapter 2. And again, the reason we're uh, bringing this word is we just you know, felt like the Spirit of God was wanting to prepare us Uh, with an understanding of our true identity. And if you were not here last week, I want to encourage you to get that message because it really lays the foundation as we talked about Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a son of Jonathan. He was a grandson of King Saul. He was born into royalty, but because of circumstances, he uh, and and those that were supposed to take care of him dropped him. He became a crippled person. Uh, He didn't have uh, uh, use of his legs. And so he fell. And David came, who was a type of Jesus, and restored him back to his place uh, in the king's house. And it's a type and a shadow of what Jesus does for all of us. The Bible tells us that the Lord says, before you were formed in your womb, I knew you. So every person in here came from God the Father. But we know that through life in an imperfect world, we've been, we were dropped by those that were supposed to take care of us. So we went from the throne in heaven into a fallen state like Mephibosheth. But then Jesus comes and he restores us back. But here's the big thing, and we're going to talk about this today. To be restored to royalty, you have to uh, go through a process of learning royalty. And my wife was uh, looking at some things yesterday. How many of y'all watched the royal wedding? Right? You stayed up at 3 a.m.? 4 a.m. Wow. She was committed to that. Anybody else get up at 4 a.m.? I know there were tea parties. Jessica, a few of you guys out there. You know, uh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know? But there's a lot to learn in, in what, that, what was going on there. I recorded it and watched it at a normal hour, like a smart person. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> wow. So, um, you know, that's, that's what uh, you watch that and you see, uh, what's her name again? Megan? Megan Markle. Megan Markle is not born of royalty. And when they've done the research on the family, she's pretty everyday. Okay, let's just say it nice. She's pretty average, everyday American girl. And there was an article, and we'll get into this in a little bit, that talks about the process that she has had to go through to learn how to become a royal. Amen? And so, see, this thing is still going on thousands and thousands of years later. This is the way of royalty. Well, there is also a way of royalty for you and I. Can I get a good strong amen? So what we're going to talk about today is the process of royalty. Because some of you have been resisting the process. Amen? Some of you are are trying to be royal, but not letting go of the the normal everyday. Let's say it like that. Amen? We're trying to come into into the palace, you know, and just have our old ways with us. And that's not going to fly. 
And it doesn't fly now with, with the row wedding going on. Uh, we read an article about the, the things that she's had to go through. It's never, it's never worked like that. Whenever you come into the presence of royalty, you have to go through a process. Now look at Esther chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 8. Esther chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. And immediately he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace And they moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Now, Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. And every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Now, before a young man's turn came to go into King Xerxes, before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, She had to complete, listen to this, 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women. Six months with the oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. And in the evening, she would go there and in the morning, return to another part of the harem to care to the care of Shazgaz, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to speak into the lives of royalty, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you have prepared a place in the spirit for us to walk as sons and daughters of you. And I pray that every person here would open their hearts and minds to learning about their true identity, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So um, in this story here, Esther uh, is about to go before the king. She's about to marry into royalty. And it's a long story. I want to encourage you to read the book of Esther. It's the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention the name of God. And actually, they even argued about putting it in the original canon because it doesn't have any, uh, you know, in a sense, God is not blatantly in it. But yet they decided to put it in the original canon uh, because of the lessons that it teaches about our God. And I believe one of the important messages here that it, that it teaches and that pertains to what we're talking about is what needs to happen in our lives to restore us to the place that we were all created to be. See, everybody wants to be royalty, but nobody wants to go to the process of restoring that. And this is why last week we talked about Mephibosheth's story, that even though he was born into royalty, he had been away from it for so long that he had to learn how to be a royal. And so David gives him back all his riches, all his lands. He gives him all this stuff, but he says under one condition, you must come to my table and eat every day. And so the condition speaks of, and we know when we talk, when we see meat in the word, it talks about what you're receiving, what you're eating, what you're digesting as it pertains to doctrine and your beliefs and things like that. 
And so what Mephibosheth had to do is he had to go to the king's table to learn the ways of the royal of, of the royals. And this is what we have to do. And this is what's happening every Sunday as you're coming into the house of God. You come to a church, hopefully, that is preaching the word, is trying to teach you how to be a royal. Because some of us are trying to be royalty, but we're still living like we're from the hood. Can I get an amen on that? And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. What is going to happen if you don't embrace the change? Tell your neighbor, embrace the change. If you don't embrace the change, you cannot enter into the palace and receive what is yours. And this is what we run into all the time with Christians, where it's not, it's not hard to get people to receive Jesus, but it's hard to get them to adopt his ways and become like him. So we can preach all day about come to Jesus, you won't go to hell. Well, people come to the altar, they give their lives to Jesus. But when we say now it's time for discipleship and it's time to learn the ways of the king, because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands is what he said. He didn't say just now that you're in the kingdom, go keep living the way you live. Remember what happened when they were going to stone the woman, uh, and, and Jesus rescued her and all the Pharisees, all the church folks were got to throw, throw stones at her because she was sleeping with a man that wasn't her husband. And all these guys were ready to rock her to sleep. And what happened? Jesus shows up and he says, hey, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. Well, they all dropped their stones one by one and they went away. But Jesus didn't just go, OK, you're cool now. You know what he tells her? He says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You see, we think under grace that grace is just the big cleanup, but really grace is a higher standard. Can I get an amen? If you don't know what I mean, read what Jesus taught. When they came to him and, and, and Jesus was teaching, he said, some of you think that committing adultery is when you sleep with a woman. Jesus said, I come to tell you that it's adultery when you just have thoughts of sleeping with a woman. See, that's a higher order. It's a higher level. Jesus said, you think it's good if you do bad, uh, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. But then Jesus comes under grace and says, but I say to you, do good to those who despitefully use you and do evil of you, or treat you evil. I think some of the thing that keeps us in a place of just agreeing that it's good to be like Christ and, and be doing the process is the fear of looking at our own lives and realizing when we hear all the principles that he just laid out, do good to those who are hateful to you, um, go and sin no more. We look at our lives and we say, well, wow, there's a lot that I have to change. And because we're so overwhelmed with all that we have to change, we don't start. And so it's a process and a process is step by step. So small changes every day. And James, it talks about moving a ship and how they move the ship with a small rudder. They use a small rudder to move a, a big ship in the ocean, and it doesn't just cut it. Every moment, every moment, they have a schedule of how much more it's going to move so that the ship can change its course. And so that's just the way it is in our life. That's part of the process of, of becoming more like Christ, of going through the process of learning to be a prince or, or a princess and coming into your fullness of being a king and queen. It's a little bit here and there. Amen. Amen. It's definitely a little bit here and there. So are you guys still with us? Okay, so I want to speak into this as we get started, too. Those of you that have been saved a very long time, don't get comfortable. 
Don't think you've arrived because knowledge is not, is, has never been what qualifies you. It's never been about what you know. It's always been about what you do with what you know. And so I know people that have been in church 20 years and have not yet began to work on that anger problem or work on that gossip problem or get a better attitude. So, see, those are things that can't come into your rulership because if they do, you're going to hurt a lot of people. You know, um, let me let me just tell you this. Just the road to becoming senior pastors for my wife and I has been very grueling and very hard because we've had to submit to a process for God to get our past out of us so that we can rule in a sense, so to speak, or oversee from a place that doesn't damage the sheep. Are you guys tracking with me? Because if we don't submit through that process, then the kind of leaders that we become, we can do a lot of damage in people. But don't just look at us and say, oh, that's good for you. It's the same way with you. And this is how generational curses continue to be passed down, is mom never takes time to learn the ways of the kingdom. So she passes on her broken, crippled, lame ways, like we talked about with Melphibosheth, she passes those on to her daughter and inflicts the same wounds on the sons and daughters, and it continues to go on. But what happens when a people submit themselves to the ways of the king, those curses are cut off, and you can come into a higher level of rulership. So are you guys, are you guys with me today? Okay, so let, let's get into the text a little bit about the process of royalty. And you can just jump on in uh, as, as you feel something here. So in the, in the text with Queen Esther here, or Esther at this point, what's amazing about Esther, she doesn't have any great big talents. She's not a woman of God at this place by any means. Her one thing that she has is she's fine. That's it. Matter of fact, you know, I, I've heard it said before, she was quite a diva in the sense even that her name actually means star, right? We don't really name kids star anymore, right? You know, uh, it's a performer name, star or whatever. I hope nobody here is named star. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Father, forgive me. <sighs> Moving right along. When you, when you, um, so when you understand Esther's whole deal, she was just like you guys. She was just like us. She wasn't, she wasn't having this great relationship with God. There wasn't this thing that she had going on, a, a super talent. She was just a beautiful woman. And when you read the story, you see how God used that. But the thing I want to I look at here is the process that she had to go through to be a royal. And you have to understand this, too. You're going through a process. You're going through a process. Don't get down on yourself if you're not there yet. Don't get down on yourself if, okay, I've been saved a year and I'm still, you know, I'm still doing this. I still, you know, do this thing here and I've been trying to quit this and I haven't been able to and all these things. Listen, don't get down on yourself in that in any way, shape or form. Submit yourself to the process and allow God to work that out in your life. Can I get an amen on that? It's like what she was saying. We see that there's a process. We get discouraged because we know we got a lot of stuff to undo. But listen, it's God that is going to undo it in your life. The one thing you've got to do is love him and submit to his word and let him begin to change you from the inside out. Okay? So there's a process. 
to you being restored to the place you want to be. Here's what I see a lot in church folks. We want to hurry up and start ruling. We want to hurry up and be the kings and the queens. Well, we've got to first learn, like my wife said last week, the ways of the prince and the princess. We first got to learn to get free from the ways that are not royal. And how many know we all come from some things, some teachings, some beliefs that ain't good? Can I get an amen on that? Some of the houses that we lived in, some of the, some of the households that we grew up in, uh, it, they didn't pass on to us the ways of royalty. Our fathers didn't treat our, our moms uh, like royalty, and our moms didn't treat our fathers like kings, and mom and dad didn't treat the kids like queens and princes, or princesses and princes. Do I need to say more? And so we sometimes can bring those ways in. We've got to, we've got to stop that. So the process that Esther goes through is very prophetic and very symbolic. It says here that she had to, before she could even see the, the, the king, she had to go through 12 months of preparation. And it's interesting is the first six months of that preparation, the Bible says <clears throat> that it had to do with her being uh, going through treatments with the oil of myrrh, the oil of myrrh. OK, so for six months, she was being treated by this oil that was called myrrh. Now, the other time we see the oil of myrrh used was when Jesus was born and the kings brought them frankincense, gold, and myrrh. They gave that to Jesus because myrrh, uh, understanding, is a symbol of the anointing. Okay? So think of it like this. For six months, Esther had to sit under the anointing. She had to be anointed. She had to sit in God's presence, so to speak. She had to be around the things of God to get that anointing. And how many know that's something that y'all need to do? That's something that we need to do. We need to make sure that if we're going to reign in the kingdom, that if we're going to be a part of God's kingdom and be the kings and queens, okay, that we need to uh, rule and reign from a place of having been in the anointing. Amen. That's what this is talking about. Now, here's some other things uh, that myrrh uh, deals with or is symbolic of. Well, in the natural, myrrh traditionally is used in the Middle East for healing, okay, for healing, specifically healing of wounds. It's also used for healing digestive problems. It's for digestive health. So not only would they use myrrh to put on wounds, but they would ingest it to fix areas in their digestive system. Now, what is the digestive system? The digestive system is how we take in things. Ooh, you better track with me. How we receive things. That's what the anointing is dealing with there, okay? Because we got a lot of people that receive things the wrong way. Go into a restaurant and, did you see how that person looked at me? Did you see how, did you see how she gave me my change? <laughs> see, you got a problem with how you're receiving things. You're not digesting information properly. You need some myrrh. You need some anointing. Amen? And we talked about everything produces after its own kind. So when you receive something incorrectly, you give it incorrectly. So when it comes in and you receive it the wrong way, you don't hold on to it. As much as you think you'd like to, you don't hold on to it. You give that right back out. And when you send it out, mm. you're sending it out unhealthy and in the wrong 
So let me, let me put it in layman's terms to exactly what she's saying. The digestive system has to do with elimination from the body. And what does it eliminate? The poisons. Amen? What happens when you sit on the toilet? Your digestive system separates what you need for nourishment and eliminates the rest. Man, I wish people would do this in their life. What about if you don't sit on the toilet? It stays inside of you. What happens to it? You get constipated. (laughs) Right, because that's the way God created us as humans, to take in and release, to decipher what's poison and what's good, to see what's sour and what's fruitful. And yeah, filter things. And so how, how you protect something good that God has given you is by giving it to someone else. But do you know how many people that don't know the ways of the kingdom deal with things they take in? They hold it in. So we get hurt. We hold it in. We get somebody does this to us. We hold it in. We grow up holding things in. You know, you got a digestive problem. What you need to learn how to do is take in the good, be nourished and eliminate the bad. Yeah, a person who holds things in is what the Bible calls an uh, a person who isolates themselves. And the Bible talks about um, a man or a woman who isolates himself. They seek their own desires, and seeking your own desires is not a Christ. It's not Christ-like character. It's not discipleship. It's not being a disciple. Um, and it's isolation is a love of self. I also believe it's part of a defense mechanism because you know that you're sour on the inside. Mm. And so instead of accepting, I'm sour, I need to change, I'm going to isolate myself, I don't like being around other people. So you isolate yourself, but you're super loud. Come on. So there's no communication one-on-one or building relationships with people because I'm too sour on the inside, but I'm heck loud. And everybody knows where I am, when I'm there, what I think, and how I feel. Are you tracking with that? Does that make sense? All right, stay with us, because what we're, what we're exposing here is what needs to change before you can into your, in, enter into your inheritance as royalty. So myrrh, so she, for six months, this is her process. She's ingesting myrrh. She's being massaged by myrrh. She's, she's being, it's being applied to her, so it's healing her wounds. It's her, healing her digestive problems. And the third thing it's used for in the Middle East is to balance women's issues. And I did not make that up. To balance women's issues is the third thing that myrrh takes care of. So what is this significant to, okay? It's significant to before Esther could come into her kingship or her queenship, she had to submit through a process of the anointing. And this is what the anointing is going to do in your life, everybody. Number one, we got to take care of those wounds, okay? We talk a lot about this in this church, and I believe it's part of my my life's calling is to help bring healing. And I believe that for all of us because Isaiah 61 says this, the anointing is upon me to preach good news to the poor and also to bring healing to the brokenhearted. The anointing is for healing. So as long as we have an anointed church, As long as we have anointed people, anointed singers, whatever the thing is, whatever anointing you got, the anointing is for healing. So it doesn't make sense for the people of God 
to come to God's house where the anointing is flowing and stay wounded. And then expect, well, God is going to bless me. And I am the head and not the tail. He is going to bless my business. He is going to bless my marriage. And I'm just going to be a king and a queen in the, in the royalty of God. Hallelujah. That's how we want it. But see, you got to learn the ways of the kingdom. you got to go through the process that Esther went through. And you've got to allow the anointing to heal your wounds. Because if you don't get the wounds healed, here it is, you stay in pain. I talked a lot about this in other series and things. But I need to repeat this. Pain must be dealt with in your life. Men, you got to deal with pain. Men don't like to deal with pain. We just going we going to oh, walk it off. You know? You got somebody, you know, you, you got a Theo that worked on the roof. Come on. Falls off the roof. Theo, let's get you to the hospital. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'll just walk it off. How I many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you raised around Mexican men. We don't go to the hospital. We've got to see blood, maybe. Blood might get us there. Open wound, maybe. But, you know, we're just not going. We're going to try to walk this thing off. But listen, I get that in the natural. But in the spirit, pain must be dealt with, okay? And we've got a lot of men that carry pain that don't know how to deal with it and have never dealt with it. And they're trying to be kings. But when you get a wounded king, the whole kingdom will feel his pain. When you get a wounded man who gets married, guess who's going to feel his pain? His wife, then his son, then his daughters. Because understand this, pain will multiply in your life when it's not confronted. So this is a problem for a society that doesn't ever want to talk about nothing, that doesn't ever want to deal with anything, and that doesn't know how to communicate. When we don't communicate, we can't heal our pain. Pain stays inside. Pain never just stays there. It always multiplies. So pain has to be addressed acknowledged and confronted. But that's a problem for some of us because we don't want to revisit the place of pain. Are you guys with me today? But I'm just here to tell you, if you want to take that place in, your, in the royal family, you got to deal with this pain. So some of us have pain, and, and we talk about it all the time, from, from our childhood. I tell my kids, you know, I sit down with them. I said, guys, we got to make it through the teenage years because the majority of my ministry in the last 20 years has been to help adults heal from dumb things we all did in our teenage years. Am I the only one? Right? So we spend our adult years trying to heal from things we did when we were younger or things we went through. Because nobody taught us how to process pain. So what do we do? We shuffle it down. But we got to be a place, a church, because we're anointed, that is a healing center. That's when you come in, one of the first things we got to do is point you to Jesus so you can get healed. Because if you don't get healed, guess what's going to happen? That pain is going to multiply. See, we think pain, if it's in your finger, will just stay there. But that pain will move into every aspect of your body. And we learned this, you know, when I married my wife, and we've talked about this a lot. There were things in both of our lives that where there was pain. And the pain that was in my life bleeded into our relationship here. The pain that was in her life bled into my life because that's the nature of pain. You can recognize that there's pain there, that there's a wound there and want to change the behavior that's associated with the pain. Mm. 
But if you don't heal the wound, what happens when you have a wound that, that, you, that doesn't heal? It gets infected. And when it gets infected, it gets swollen, it gets red, it gets hot, and it oozes pus. And so you could wipe that pus away. What's going to happen? A pus is just going to come right back out again. And so just changing the behavior and not dealing with the hurt is not going to resolve the issue. You've got to go to the pain, the source of the wound, and deal with the hurt, and then the behavior can change. So think of the mindset of the palace at this time. They're about to bring in him a possible new bride. So what they do for six months, they bathe her in this oil of myrrh. They got her drinking it. They're rubbing it all over her body. I mean, what they're doing, they're making sure there's no infection in her before she goes into the king. Man, we've got to do the same thing, folks. I don't care who you are. We've got to deal with the issues of our life that come from a place of pain. And we've got to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm I'm hurting. I've been hurt. And that's part of another part of the process we talked about last week that number one is to believe. Number two is to speak what you believe. Number three is to be responsible for who you are and where you are. You have to be responsible for your life and how you process things. It doesn't matter what was done to you and when it was done to you. You are responsible for how you behave. A lot of times we say, you make me so mad. Mm. Nobody makes you mad. Mm. You choose to be mad. You choose to be angry. And you may feel like you don't have control. You do. That's a belief that you have that doesn't line up with God's word. And you give into that belief. You believe the belief that you don't have control over the way you respond. But nobody makes you do anything. You choose to respond the way that you do. So another part of the process is being responsible for who you are and how you are. There are many times in our marriage when he would say, when you do this, it hurts me. And I would say, you don't understand. I, that, I don't have control over that. That's just something that happens because blah, blah, blah. And I was giving power to what had happened to me and not being responsible for who I am today. So if I don't be responsible for who I am today, I'm going to continue to make those same choices. And like he said, who's going to pay? My kids who have nothing to do with what happened to me in the past. My husband who has nothing to do with what happened to me in the past. The lady at the checkout who has nothing to do with what happened to me in the past. The people that I work with who has, who have nothing to do. My boss who has nothing to do because I'm not, I don't want to be responsible for who I am today. I am responsible for me. I am responsible for how I feel and how I process what I feel today. So you've got to be honest with yourself. And what I would challenge everybody in this room to do, if you're serious about really working this out, is write on your phone, your your iPad, a piece of paper, um, write down areas of pain in your life that you've experienced as a human being, okay? And we all have them. Unless some of the younger ones, maybe you might not have experienced that as much yet. But I want to challenge you to just get real, you know? And here's what we always do. Oh, no, I'm good. No, no, I'm over that. But, you know, it's not for the sake of saying that you're crying about it all the time, but identifying pain points in your life that have happened that just may need some more anointing on that thing. Something that can help you to determine what pain points are is looking at cycles in your life, Mm. repeated issues that you're having. If, you know, every time... 
a lot of friends are getting are misunderstand you when you communicate with them. It's people are always misunderstanding you or those types of things. You can look at cycles and repeated problems, and usually that's where you can go back to a pinpoint. We can you can make excuses again and not be responsible for how you're feeling and not change, or you could be responsible and go, okay, I've had this same problem over the last 10 years with like 10 different people. Is it them all misunderstanding me, or is something coming out of me from a place of pain that is coming out the wrong way? Are, are you guys catching that? And so we do talk about pain a lot in this, in this church because you've got to understand, we always think it's the other person. You're always going to think it's the other person in a conflict, in a problem. But when you can identify your pain, when you can identify some of these things and, allow, and ask God to heal these things, then that's not to say you're never going to have problems with people anymore. But you're going to be able to uh, experience the anointing and healing in, in your life that's going, to, that's going to make things easier and better in your life in dealing with other people. Because again, pain, if undealt with, multiplies. So getting back to what I was saying, I, I would challenge all of you to take time and just write down some pain points in your life. Maybe it was your first marriage. Maybe it was your current marriage. Maybe it is, you know, when you were a kid, your father, something your husband did this morning. Come on, somebody. Amen. I don't know whatever it is, but you know, those things affect us and can cause pain that if we don't deal with it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bleed over into other people. And I see this all the time in relationships. And another thing, so when you're writing these things down, um, part of when I recognized that this was something that I needed to do, that I needed to be responsible for myself and, uh, and figure out what those pain points were, is I went to like three or four different people or maybe one or two, um, find one or two people that you trust and that are beyond where you're at spiritually and in life, and I would go to them and ask them, what is something that you see is a weakness mm. in my life? Amen. What do you see is a bad character that comes out of me? I want you to be 100% honest and tell me what's something you see that you think I could be doing better, because we need help. We're not supposed to do this by ourselves. Amen. It starts with you being responsible but you need to find someone to help you. Amen. And we've been very upfront about with what we've had to deal with in our lives, with the pain that's been inflicted in our lives. And, and some of it was extreme through, through abuse, but others of it, some of the pain that I went through with my parents was, was not on purpose. It was, it was through ignorance of how to do certain things, but it still hurt me and it still affected me. And I still had to get healing from it. So when I say to do this, I want you to just try to, to recognize these things so that you have something to take into prayer as you deal with these hurts. Because the problem with most of us, we never want to deal with hurt, so the pain stays there and it multiplies. So now everybody that comes in contact with you is going to feel the pain that your father inflicted on you. I got nothing to do with that, but I'm going to feel it. Are you tracking with me? I didn't do to you what your last pastor did to you, but I'm going to feel that because you won't deal with that pain, you know? Your wife that you're with now is not the one that cheated on you. That was that joker in 12th, and when you're in 12th grade. But she's going to pay for it because you just were like, nah, I'm good, I'm straight, da-da-da. Are you, are you tracking with me today? So, you know, we've got to look at these things. And this is the process. Don't be afraid to confront your past because on the other side of that is healing. 
We've got some people, they don't want to talk about nothing. They don't want to go to marriage counseling. They don't want to sit before a pastor and say what she said. Hey, is there something you see that I should probably be working on? And you know what? You're going to stay in a crippled state. And you're always going to keep be held back. Because here's the other thing, all right? Those actions can keep you from getting promoted. Because when your boss tells you to do something, you get all your, in all your feelings. And you get hurt. I don't like the way he said that. Well, he shouldn't have said it that way. And so they just are finally going to get tired of dealing with you, and you ain't getting the promotion. But I'm the harder worker. Yeah, but you got all this baggage. So they're just going to pass you up. Man, I do twice as much work as them. But this pain that you got going on that you won't deal with and won't talk to nobody about, it bleeds over, and people aren't going to want to deal with that. Are you with me today? So we've got to deal with that before we talk. We start talking about royalty and being kings and queens. And listen, we all got something that we've got to scratch at. One more thing. In James, it says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as you as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being mm. until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So part of the process, number uh, four, or number five, is when difficulty comes, enduring, endure knowing that you're growing. So part of growing is going through difficulty. Amen. So, you know, the other thing, the other, the other main reason, and I'll end on this, is, is understanding this, that every destructive thing you do in life is a reaction to an invisible pain. Man, I just got to stop smoking weed. I just, I just can't shake this. See, you know what we do? We try to deal with the fruit of something rather than deal with the root of something. We try to modify our behavior. I'm just going gonna, gonna to act right. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. But you know what? You could take all the oranges off the tree. They're just going to grow back. Amen? They're just growing back. But if you lay the axe to the root of that tree, that fruit's gone. It's gone. And you plant another tree, you're going to get something different. And this is the problem we have with most believers. And this is why we, we, we settle into our sin and then we just accept it and own it. And just keep coming to church all jacked up. Because, see, we try to modify our behavior. When it doesn't work, then we quit. But what you don't understand is this. Identify the pain and the fruit of that thing that's coming out of that pain will leave your life. So if you can really experience transformation, see, you, 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 things will change. See, right now we got people, I'm, I'm just going to stop watching pornography. I'm going to stop going on those sites. And they're just white knuckling it. And just, oh, God, I'm just going to put all these strategies in the place. And da, da, da. But you know what you should deal with? Rejection. Why do you feel the need? Why are you so drawn to that? You're rejected. You need some acceptance. You need some unconditional love. You need some, you need some feeling good without all the other stuff. And so if you don't deal with that root, you're going to continue to have problems with pornography or overeating or alcohol or smoking weed. People trying to shake that weed thing. Smile at me now. You know, you're just trying to shake it. And I know it's not right and da-da-da. The reason you go in there is you're medicating something. Find out where the pain is. Allow Jesus to heal the pain through the anointing, 
which is his presence, his word, and the fruit will leave your life. It'll leave your life. But you got to go through that process of royalty being under the anointing. Are you guys tracking with me today? Amen. Jesse, if you'd come. Do you have anything to add to that? So let, me, let me just remind you of these things again. The first process of coming into royalty is this. Uh, receiving the oil of myrrh, which is what Esther went through. That's symbolic of healing, healing of wounds, healing of your digestive system, and your balance to women's issues. That's a whole other thing there. Don't, don't miss next week. Uh, we're going to get into some of that and what that means. Because some of the women's issues are, are, are been controlling your life. And check this out. I'm not even just speaking to the women when I say that. Some women's issues control the husband and the family. And I'm not talking about your, your monthly cycle. Don't get all nervous. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the issues in a woman in a home affect everybody. And it's interesting that God uses myrrh as an example to prepare us for royalty. Men, you need to know how to balance women's issues. We've got men that don't know how to do that. We just go, they just go with it. Just flow with it. Like, oh, my wife's got some issues. I'm just going with it. Just don't want to make her mad. You know, you all that, you know, happy wife, happy life. Listen, I get that, but that sounds so controlling. It sounds like, man, ladies, you don't want that burden. You trust me, you don't. But it's interesting that the process to royalty is understanding the anointing so that you're healed, you take in things, and you eliminate things, digestion, and that you can balance women's issues. Today, I just read you a scripture. That's what all that is in there. And so we're going to talk more about that. And this is going to help our homes. This is going to help our men. This is going to help you ladies because you are kings and queens. You are. But we got to go through the process. And listen, if you won't go through the process for yourself, do it for your kids. Because without learning the ways of the kingdom, we pass on the ways of the pauper. It's not just about looking like a queen or a king. It's about being one. It's like my wife said, part of the problem with digestive issues is we don't want to be around nobody. Let the anointing begin to change us. Come on, let's stand on our feet today. Let the anointing be there to to work these things out in our life. And so that nobody leaves here with feeling some kind of way, we all got them, guys. We all got them. The hardest people. You know, the people that are out there as thugs, street thugs and gangsters and doing all that. You know what that is? That is hurt young men. It's hurt young men. Ones that are doing up all the shooting and all the activity and the ones that are just the hardest of the hard hurt people. So it's not a thing of being soft. It's a thing of being real. And I feel like your heavenly father today is trying and and through this whole message is trying to get us to the place to identify more with our heavenly identity than our earthly one. Because we're more than the families we come out of. We're more than the neighborhoods we grow up in. We're more than the culture we were born into. We're citizens of heaven. Our daddy's a king. Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. Father, I just thank you right now for every person that is in here under the sound of my voice. And Lord, I thank you 
that you've called them to be your sons and daughters. And there is a process to teaching us the ways of the kingdom, the protocols. Father, I just ask right now that you would first introduce them to your love. And maybe there's some of you here and you don't know Jesus or you're not serving Jesus. You've never said yes to your sonship in the kingdom. You haven't come home yet. Because the Bible says before you were formed in your mama's womb, Jesus, God, knew you. And you came to earth through the vessel that is your parents. And through whatever situation, you haven't been serving God, you haven't come into contact with his message, well, he is here today to restore you to that relationship with him. You came from him. Come back to him. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.